Old Testament reading is found on page 916 in the Pew Bible. It says here we're going to start at verse 23, but I'm going to back it up to verse 17. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food that they craved. They spoke against God, saying, God can spread a table in the desert. When he struck the rock, water gushed out and streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels and he sent them all the food that they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and led forth the south winds by his power. And he rained meat down on them like dust, flying birds that like a sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents, and they ate till they had more than enough, for he had given them what they craved. This is the word of the Lord. Please sing along with us. On the wings of a snow-white dove, he sends his pure, sweet love. A sign from above, sign from above, on the wings of a dove, wings of a dove, when trouble surrounds us. Pure, sweet love, the sign from above. 
that day He was baptized In the usual way When it was done God blessed his son He sent him his love Snow white dove, he sends his pure, sweet love. A sign from above, sign from above, on the wings of a dove. Wings of a dove. Amen. <laughs> You're supposed to laugh at me. It's a really beautiful song. I love it. Wash me and cleanse me with your blood So you can speak to me Just let me hear your words of grace Just let me see your radiant face Beholding constantly that you are 
Before I get to the body of my sermon, I, I, I want to start with a question. Now, don't worry, you don't have to share with anyone your answer, okay? So, what I'm going to ask you to do is be honest with yourself. What do you want most in life? What are you chasing? What are you really after? What is it that you think you can't live without? Now, because you're in church, you probably think I'm thinking of some church idealistic thing, things that you want your life to be about. You know, I want to follow Jesus better. I, I, I want to be a better disciple of Jesus or, you know, that kind of stuff. Or maybe I want to have more prayer or more Bible study. I'm not talking about any of that right now. I'll get to that later. But be honest. What really is the most important thing in your life? could be Jesus or your grandkids or maybe your children, they become less important to you when they give you grandkids. I don't understand that, but my kids understand that. Or maybe it's your golf game, or maybe it's that new uh, riding lawnmower you got for Christmas. What is the most important thing in your life? What's the first thing you think about in the morning when you wake up? Me, it's achy body, but that's a whole different other topic. What's the thing that you Google most? Now, for some of you, that's an internet thing, uh, in case you didn't know what Google was. What do you worry about the most? What do you talk to others about mostly? What do you read about 
most. What can you just not get off your mind? What's the things your friends or your spouse or your family would say is most important to you? What do you want most in life? You know, I really don't like that question. Because when I answer it honestly, it reveals things about me I don't like. When I first read that question, uh, beginning of this week, my gut reaction is, well, the thing I want most is Jesus. Now hear me on this. That's what I want to be the most important thing in my life. But there are other things that compete for that spot. If I'm honest, there are times when Jesus isn't the most important thing in my life. Sure, I'll say he is, but my actions and my thoughts, what I do, shows something has overtaken that role. So what is it for you? Is it your job or your next promotion or that relationship you're in or desperately want to be in? For me, if I'm really honest, it's the pursuit of more. If I'm not careful, I get caught up in that next thing that I think I need. You know, that next piece of technology or the next improvement for my house? There's always something else I want or think I need. I was kept in check pretty well by my wife, but when she died, wow, those first two years, I, I pursued more. And that's hard. But now I'm able to keep a better check on it. Now I'm not saying any of these things are really bad, because they're not. But they're not ultimate things. They're not eternal things. And the reality is, uh, whether you're a Christian or whether you're just kind of checking out this church thing, you worship something. Everyone worships something. And what you're worshiping is the thing you can't get out of your mind. Most of us have a misunderstanding about worship. Worship simply means to give worth to something or someone. And we all get to choose what that is. Our scripture for today, and it's a long one and I've decided I'm not going to read all of it, uh, begins the day after Jesus feeds the 5,000. You know, with just a few loaves, barley bread, and, and a few sardines, some small fish. The people saw that miracle. They ate their fill, we're told, and they woke up hungry the next day. Rather than go home and rest and get ready to go back to work, they ran 10 miles around the lake to find Jesus because they wanted him to feed him again. In verse 26 and 27, it says, Amen, amen. That's Jesus' talk. Truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Now, most of us have access uh, to more food than we could 
possibly ever eat. I'm, I'm a, an example of that. Uh, but it, it's not true for most of the world. And it was certainly not true for the people that followed Jesus. Food in Jesus' day was scarce. So when you found a, a source of food, you followed it. Because food, let's face it, is life. And it's a big deal to them. And Jesus, because, you know, he's Jesus, knows what they're after. They want another free meal. They wanted to see another magic trick. They followed Jesus not because of who he was, rather because of what he could do for them. In verse 35, uh, we read, Jesus declaring, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, that doesn't help uh, stop what these people are thinking about. And this is the first of seven I am statements that Jesus makes. I am the bread of life, he says. He did it to reveal himself to these people. It's ego eimi. That means I am who I am. Do you remember hearing that phrase somewhere else in the Bible? Uh, you know, I am ego eimi, the bread of life. People thinking bread, and Jesus is telling them that he is spiritual bread of life. He's God in their midst. He's Emmanuel, God with them. He used the same words that God used to describe himself to Moses in the Old Testament. People were wanting to know who is the God that you're following, and he says, God says, just tell them, Ego Amy, I am who I am. That's all that the people could think about is this. They all wanted a, another loaf of bread. Now, the barley bread in, in the time of, this isn't barley bread, by the way. It smells really good, though. Um, the barley bread in the time of Jesus was filled also with, with lentils and other things. So that, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you look at and, and choose the, uh, the, the meat that you want. Or the tofu or whatever it is that you do. The protein. And then, and then you pick your sides but in the day of Jesus, they chose the bread first because it was the bread, it was life. It had enough that you could just eat the bread and be satisfied because there were beans and lentils and other things cooked into it. And then their sides were meat and, and vegetables and other things like that. But they were after the, what was the loaf. That's all I could think about, what Jesus had already given them. They didn't want Jesus. He was just a means to an end. He was the way they could get what they were really after. Now, maybe your deepest desire is money. I get it. Maybe your deepest desire is health. Oh, I really get that. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's power, you know, that promotion. We all have some kind of bread we're after. What's yours? Jesus had just provided bread and fish, 
less than 24 hours before they confronted him. And they ate all they wanted, and it was an incredible miracle. And here's where they reveal their true colors. They're just trying to trick Jesus into doing it again. They just want a free meal, so put yourself back there. And think about what is your bread? What is the thing that you pray for and try to trick God into giving you? God, if you just give me whatever the bread is for you, then I'll never miss church again. Or I'll give 20% of my money away. Well, okay, maybe not 20%, but at least 10%. Okay, God, I'll be honest, maybe 5%. Jesus points out to them that they're after the wrong thing. They want what's temporary. But what they should be after is the eternal. But the crowd didn't get it. And neither do we. We read in verse 41, So uh, the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. In other words, they grumbled because they didn't get what they wanted. Yesterday, they were ready to make him king because he gave them what they wanted. But today, when Jesus asks for their allegiance, they reject him. Let's make this personal. If if Jesus doesn't give you whatever this is for you, will you follow him? Jesus is after you. He wants you. He doesn't want you to follow him because of what you can get from him. He wants you to follow him because of who he is. What if you're married? What if your wife or your husband demanded that you buy them things and if you don't, they'll leave you? What if your child goes to you and says, if you don't give me a brand new switch, if you don't know what that is, it's a game about that big that the kids are all playing now. It's really expensive. If you don't give me a switch, I'll no longer consider you my parent. My love for you is dependent on you giving me this thing. How would you feel? My attitude to a child like that was go find another family to live with. (laughs) But Jesus probably wouldn't let me do that, but that's what I would think in my mind. Jesus is trying to tell them that they're missing the point. He's trying to tell them that the bread they want pales in comparison to eternal bread He has for them. That they're settling for something much less than what Jesus has for them. They've settled. And we do the same thing, don't we? We settle for something so much less than what Jesus has for us. Why? Because we can't get by this. We want it. Whatever it is. I don't have enough yard to have a riding lawnmower, but Oh, I'd love to have one. My, my, in total front and back lawn would be about the size of this platform up here. Not practical for a riding lawnmower, but man, would it be fun. That's my want. 
That's that thing for more. So Jesus finally ends with this statement, verse 53. Amen, amen, I say to you, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. You have no life in you if you don't do that. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. Now, I think of two things when I hear that verse from Jesus. First, I think a lot about communion, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. The other thing I think about is cannibalism, and that's not what Jesus is talking about here. But it sounds an awful lot like that. See, for the Jews, they really had a problem with drinking or partaking anything with blood in it. They they would take their animals, and before they would cook them, they would drain them of blood. And once the blood was out, then they could cook it, and then they could eat it. They had a lot of rules. And so for them, it was abhorrent to think about drinking the blood of Jesus. See, but Jesus was just simply running with the metaphor that he'd been using for a long time. They want bread, and Jesus desperately wants them to know that the bread thereafter will only offer momentary satisfaction. It'll only sustain for a few hours. But he, what he offers, will last for eternity. He's telling us not to try to get from something or someone what you can only get from God. The crowd wanted bread, but Jesus was offering a way for more than a free meal. Now, I want to say we all worship something. The crowd worshiped bread. And you and I, well, we worship something too. And the reality is if you worship something other than Jesus, it'll only leave you empty. Whatever that thing is for you, it'll only leave you wanting more. If you're here this morning and you're not following Jesus, don't miss this. You're still worshiping something. You get to choose what you will worship. What this passage teaches us is that unless you're worshiping Jesus, what you are worshiping will eat you alive. I think we all know that, don't we? We just don't want to believe it. Listen, if you're uh, striving for anything other than Jesus, it'll let you down. You get whatever it is that you're after, but it will uh, be unable to deliver what it promises. You know it's true. Just think back to all of the Christmas presents that you have had over your life. Things that you strive for, things that you bargain for, but they never quite live up to the hype, do they? That's what Jesus is saying. That's why Jesus is using the bread analogy. Think back to the best meal you have ever eaten. You've eaten since. Why? Because it wasn't good enough. You need more to sustain your life. The meal didn't last. You had to eat again. I was thinking about this and and remembered back. I took 50 youth from the Fresno um, area on a work party. 
to Washington State. Just getting them all there was amazing. We drove, and we stopped along the Oregon coast, and we had somebody set up a dinner for us at a little tiny church, smaller than this church. But they had a fisherman there, and he caught crab. And so they had a crab feed, all the crab you could eat. And then they had all kinds of sides, you know, potato salad, macaroni salad, and regular salad, and then some other stuff. I don't remember what it was for those that didn't eat shellfish, okay? They covered all of the bases. As I sat there along this big table, I'll only admit to eating four crab. That's all I admit to. It was probably more than that, but that's, and you just ate the crab and you threw the shells on the table and we just kept eating. Pretty soon all the kids were done, but the adults weren't done. And we made them stay 45 minutes longer because we were going to eat our fill of crab. One of the best meals I've ever eaten. But the next morning I woke up hungry. See, that's the problem with focusing your life on whatever the bread is in your life. That thing that you just can't, can't live without. So what happens to Jesus? About this time, we read that the crowds begin to leave him. And soon, it was only the faithful 12 and a few other disciples that followed. The thousands and tens of thousands were gone, and they didn't come back. Many of us are after things that will only offer momentary satisfaction. And when we don't get them from God, we leave. Well, God, you didn't really love me. That's not the case at all. The term gospel comes from an old English word, God spell, where the word God is good, and the word spell means story. The gospel is indeed a good news. This good news however, has a sharp edge to it. The narrowness of the gospel is difficult to accept. Uh, It's exclusivity. Hard word to get out. It's offensive to us. Jesus says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus did nothing to soften that message. Jesus is the bread of life, the heavenly manna, the bread that comes down from heaven to give life so that those who believe in him, all who have partaken of his wonderful gift of salvation, they can have eternal life. At the end of World War II, the Allied forces found many hungry, starving orphans. And while they uh, received excellent care, they were well fed, the orphans couldn't get or stay asleep. Psychologists came up with a solution that worked. Each child was given a piece of bread to hold on to when they went to bed. And it allowed the children to sleep soundly because they were assured they'd have food for the next day. If you want peace, if you want comfort for your soul, knowing that no matter what tomorrow may bring, hold on to Jesus. He's the bread of life the bread from heaven, the bread that gives eternal life to all who partake 
of it. That's all who believe in him. To eat the bread of life and to drink the blood is to believe in Jesus. It means to take Jesus into your soul and your spirit the same way we take food and drink into our body. Have you done that yet? Today we're going to give you a chance to do that very thing. told you it was Baptist Day. As we pray today, I'm going to ask you to, if you haven't, give your life to Jesus. To believe that he really is the bread of life come down from heaven. To say yes to the salvation that he offers and to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Some of you who aren't following Jesus and you have a, de- you have a decision to make. Jesus and I will never force you to follow him. You have a decision. What do you want to worship? You can keep pursuing and trying to achieve whatever it is you're after in life. Or you're free to to do that. But don't be surprised one day when you realize that the pursuit has eaten you alive. You have a choice. Do you want to keep worshiping what you do not want to let go of your bread? Or do you want to worship Jesus? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I know that there are some here that have never really gotten down to business with you. Speak into their hearts and their spirits right now. By your spirit, would you come and speak to them? I know friends, that some of you are even feeling his presence right now. You feel a tug upon your heart, even to give your life over to him. It's as simple as this prayer. Say it silently with me if you've never given your life to Jesus. Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me for the sins that are in my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and draw me close to you. Thank you for forgiving my sins and taking me in to be a child of God. Amen.